0: So, I'm sure all of you guys out there have, you know, a friend that you're really close to that you do all sorts of weird things with. So, about a year ago, I was uh, hanging out with one of my friends and uh, he brought a drug with him called Kratom. And if you guys have never used Kratom, there's something really interesting about it, which is that it tastes horrible and it tastes horrible with almost pretty much everything, and you can get it in a lot of different forms, but he had it as like a powder, so uh, one day during a hot summer day, we were trying to figure out what to mix it with so it wouldn't taste so terrible, and you know, he's probably listening th- listening to this episode right now, uh, if so hey, how you doing, Um so I gotta be honest here, I suggested that he mix it with coke, and I gotta be honest, I kind of knew what was gonna happen um, when he, he would mix it with coke, and the answer is that it'll explode and fizz everywhere, and that's exactly what happened, um, and you may be saying, why did you tell him to mix it with coke then? Because I thought it would be funny, and it, and it was pretty funny. But nonetheless, uh, I'm sorry for tricking you like that, bro. Uh, please forgive me. Um, but nonetheless, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna just discuss kratom today, what it is, how it works, and uh, the science behind that. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello, all you scientists out there, and welcome on back to the science behind that podcast. I hope you guys are having a beautiful day. I know I am having a beautiful day here. Um, and welcome back to episode. What is this? Four. Episode four of our uh, five. I think we're gonna do six. Six part drug series. Um, and today, as you heard from the intro, we're gonna be discussing kratom. So, uh, before we get started uh, with that, let me invite all of you guys to go grab yourselves a nice warm tasty cup of coffee and of course add a little bit of maple syrup in it not too much but just enough to keep it spicy so let's jump right in so um before we go into great detail about what kratom is let me just say two things number one we're gonna have to discuss what a metabolite is and what the difference between a drug and a metabolite is and number two we're also going to discuss this episode briefly how to identify bias in a uh, in scientific writing and or medical writing with an example so first off what is a metabolite and you may be saying well i have no idea which is totally fine that's where we're, why we're going to address it today because it is very important to understanding what kratom does to the human body so a metabolite basically is the after result of the metabolism of a particular drug. So a lot of drugs are broken down and metabolized in the liver. And when that happens, the byproducts of breaking down that drug uh, produce what's called a metabolite. And that metabolite has effects as well as the active drug. And sometimes you'll have it where, or you'll have drugs where the actual drug produces one effect, but then its metabolite produces another completely opposite effect. And we kind of see that with, um, Kratom. So, uh, knowing that let's jump right in. So, you know, I was thinking about the story I I mentioned in the, in the intro of this episode and that got me thinking, you know, Hey, we should do an episode on this. Also, my good friend, who was featured in that uh, in that story um, also suggested to me, hey, you should do an episode on this. So thank you, Will. That's really kind of you. Um, and so we're doing an episode because he suggested it. So, um, but before we get into this, let me just address this fact. When I was looking up uh, or doing some research on kratom, I found a lot of stuff that kind of disappointed me. Um, one such example was a piece of literature by Mayo Clinic. Mind you, it wasn't any research. It was more of like, um, a drug review, I guess. And, you know, I like Mayo Clinic a lot. Uh, in fact, I applied to Mayo Clinic as one of my med schools, but this particular, um, article that they had, left me rather dis- feeling rather disappointed because ladies and gentlemen the title of the article was kratom unsafe and ineffective now i don't know about you guys but i don't think it's really that difficult to see where the bias is in that um, in that author's eyes you know i don't think that author is going is going to be a big believer in kratom and so one of the things we're going to, this kind of leads into one of the things we're going to discuss today, which is Kratom is really controversial and it is surprisingly controversial for what it is. Um, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, so starting off, so Kratom is a plant. Kratom itself is not a drug. Um, as in the same way that marijuana is not a drug, marijuana is a plant, but the drug within marijuana is called THC. In this instance, the drug within Kratom, which is a plant, is called metragyanine. And it produces a metabolite, or well, it is metabolized down into a metabolite called 7 alpha mitragyanine. Um, and they are really interesting compounds. They're indole based alkaloids. And Alkaloids are are really fascinating to me because alkaloids, we typically see a lot of mention with fungi because many, 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 many species of fungi produce various alkaloids, particularly um, a lot of fungal alkaloids have uh, antibacterial properties, but that's for another episode. Um, Mitragynine is really interesting because anecdotally, the drug has been reported as in low concentrations, inducing, you know, feelings of stimulation, similar to that of caffeine, but in high concentrations, stimulating, um, more opioid-like feelings, and that is the most interesting aspect of mitragyanine, because, um, it has been used by people to, um, get off of opioid addiction. And in fact, in a study, in an animal model study, many of them have suggested that mitragynine can actually suppress and uh, ameliorate withdrawal symptoms from opioids. And so if you guys don't know, when somebody is addicted to opioids, traditionally, there are two drugs that can be administered. There's an emergency drug for specific types of opioids called Narcan. And, um, there is another type of drug, um, called Naloxone that can also be, uh, administered. And both those drugs are very expensive. And they also make not just insurance companies, but hospitals, a lot of money because, you know, you have to induce, you have to administer those drugs in people who have, uh, opioid overdoses Otherwise, they will die. And so part of my theory of why Kratom is so controversial in the medical field is not because there's no research about it. There is research about it. It is because of the fact that it is significantly cheaper than naloxone and Narcan. And several studies have suggested that it is at least as effective as both those drugs, if not more effective in treating opioid addiction and withdrawal. Um, so let's talk about why this happens. So for those of you biochemistry people out there, like I am, the, um, chemical formula for mitragynine, mitragynine is C23H30N204. Um, and the biggest thing about it is that it can induce naloxone reversible, uh, anti- I can never say this word, anti-noisiceptive effects. And so you may be saying, what's an anti-noisiceptive effect? A noiseiceptive effect is the perception of any type of pain or stimulation, be it chemical, physical, thermal, etc. And so an anti-noisiceptive effect would be decreasing the perception of chemical, thermal, physical, etc. sensory info. Um, And... Part of the reason why researchers think uh, mitragynine does this is that both mitragynine and 7-alpha mitragynine bind to mu, delta, kappa uh, opioid receptors, and we don't really know what all of those do per se, but we do know that the drug has partial agonist properties with um, the mu receptor And it may have competitive agonist properties with the delta and kappa receptors. So basically, um, in non-biochemical speech, that basically means that we think it prevents the binding of um, opioids to those receptors, or can, um, thereby reducing the symptoms of opioid withdrawal, while also... um, In a way, kind of stimulating those receptors, but ultimately it reduces the symptoms of opioid withdrawal because it prevents the ligand, opium, or any opium drug derivative from binding to those receptors. Now, naloxone and Narcan are opioid agonists, right? And again, opioid agonists are something that binds to an opioid receptor. And prevents opium or opium-like uh, derivative drugs from doing their job, right? So um, one big positive to kratom is that metragynine and seven alpha methygramine have longer half-lives than naloxone and what that me- and other um, opioid uh, agonists. And what that means is that a half-life is the amount of time required for half of the drug or substance to be eliminated from your body and because mitragynine has a longer half life it requires you to take less of it over um a uh, you know it requires you to take less of it than it would um than people have to take of other com- uh competitive opioid agonists like naloxone and so thereby so essentially if we're summing this up kratom is cheaper Cratum, it seems, is at least as effective as naloxone, and it lasts longer than naloxone um, and uh, other other opioid agonists. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I want to preface this by saying this opinion. And it's not really opinion because it's an opinion based on on research. But this opinion that I am telling you guys. This factual information is extremely controversial in the medical world. So if either of you got if any of you listeners out there, you know, if you really want to annoy your doctor friends, most of them anyway, tell them that you think that Kratom is is the, um, you know, opioid withdrawal drug of the future, and they'll get really angry at you. Um, and so basically, let's talk about we've we've kind of discussed the opioid, agonist effects, i.e. it's sedative effects, right? Um, So let's talk about why it may be stimulatory. So researchers think from animal models that the reason it could be stimulatory is that in lower concentrations, you have more metragynine than you do have, than you have 7-alpha metragynine. And that metragynine has slightly different effects in that it also is able to bind to certain receptors that um, stimulate neural pathway activity. And not just that, but it may also bind to, for example, GABA receptors and inhibit GABA release in lower concentrations. Now, why is this a case? Eh, We don't really know. Part of the reason why we don't know is that the medical community, at least here in the United States, really hates this drug. For example, there was a study published by the FDA that said there were no, in 2018, that said that there were no clinical applications of mitragynine. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to know a caveat to that? In the study, a footnote stated that while it says there were no clinical uh, benefits to it, there was no research on the clinical application of mitragynine in opioid withdrawal. So what that basically means is they said, well, we didn't find any clinical application of this, but did you guys do any research on that? No, no. So we didn't find any clinical application because we didn't do any research on it. So, ladies and gentlemen, this drug is very controversial. And um, I'm not sitting here and telling you guys you know go do this drug i'm not saying you know shame on mayo clinic or whatever i'm just saying their paper was biased i'm not saying anything like that i'm i'm just telling you guys the facts and the facts are that in animal studies and a lot of anecdotal data from users in the clinical setting um mitragynine may be effective for uh you know, resolving the symptoms of opioid withdrawal, treating opioid addiction, and uh, serving as you know a stimulatory drug in the instance that you don't want to drink coffee. That being said, I don't feel like it's right to end this without talking about the side effects. Side effects are very similar to a caffeine overdose. Nausea, itching, sweating, dry mouth, increase urination, decrease appetite worst-case seizures seizures and hallucinations. In the entire time since its use, there's only been one recorded death um, from a Kratom overdose, Um, and I couldn't find any data about it being addictive. So, ultimately, to summarize, ladies and gentlemen, the effects of mitragynine are obvious, and they are ranging from benefiting you from a caffeine perspective and benefiting patients in terms of um, alleviating symptoms of opioid withdrawal and possibly even treating opioid addiction. Um, and there is a lot of scientific evidence to support these claims. It's just not a lot of it is coming from the U.S., which is fine. You know, it's, it is what it is, but there is a lot of evidence uh, to support these claims Um, that being said, more research definitely should be done on this drug. Um, and you know, personally, in my opinion, I think that the, um, the anger behind this drug is very, very odd, you know, in the medical community. I think it's an odd anger, especially like when you have an article, Kratom, unsafe and ineffective, my first answer is, well, obviously it's not ineffective because it's, it, it's effective to a lot of people, you know, otherwise those people wouldn't use it. And furthermore, it's no more unsafe than caffeine. Caffeine can kill you between one and 20 grams of caffeine is lethal. Okay. And that's the equivalent of, uh, around 10 to 20 cups of caffeine is lethal. So, and the side effects wise are very, very similar. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm not saying that this drug is harmless, but I am saying that we need to put the fears and, and whatnot of this drug into perspective. Metragynine is not some ultra dangerous crocodile, you know, from Russia. Crocodile's pretty bad. I can't think of any applicative use of crocodile if you guys want to hear a whole episode on that let me know that's an interesting drug but anyway it's not crocodile and at the same time it's not um i don't know it's not caffeine but even caffeine is dangerous ladies and gentlemen therefore um it is legal in most of the united states and if it helps you as long as it is not hurting you or others i see no reason why um, why it should be bad if it helps the people who need it. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Um, and I want to emphasize this. I think I did with my marijuana episode, but I want to emphasize this, especially with this episode. My phrase at the end of each episode, stand up and question everything, I think is especially important for things like this. Throughout life, we will hear misinformation targeted for particular purposes about various things. And drugs are especially targeted uh, for misinformation. Um, And ladies and gentlemen, there is a difference between being open to the use of every drug and being questioning when somebody says a drug is really, really bad. Um, you know, there's medical meth, there's medical cocaine, there's metal, uh, medical amphetamine. There are applications to almost everything and nothing in this world, ladies and gentlemen, is black and white. Everything is just varying shades of gray. So thank you very much for listening to today's episode. And remember, as always, ladies and gentlemen, stand up and question everything. I will see you in the next one.